Hello, everybody. Hey, this is John Fenn, Church Without Walls International, C-W-O-W-I dot O-R-G, C-W-O-W-I dot O-R-G, Church Without Walls International, we're a house church network. We're celebrating the gathering of the saints together in homes. Uh, you know, the first house church was Adam and Eve and the Lord in the garden, and he never has left the home. So still there, based on family, friends, neighbors, co-workers, and the person of peace, those interested in the Lord, it's all about the discipleship process. So there's a supernatural element to it as we learn to integrate the Lord's teachings and our walk with Him into our daily lives. It's a lifelong process of discipleship. This is what these videos are about. I encourage you to go to our website and sign up for my weekly thoughts, which is a weekly Friday morning email that comes out, my e-newsletters where I share prophetic things, and go to our website and you can get uh, you can watch some videos on there about house church and articles and things like that, archived articles and such. Anyway, cwowie, cwowie.org. All right, John Fan here. Today asking the question, why did the two uh, agree in prayer? You know, that's a, it's a thing that's been uh, bantered, battered, bantered about in the Christian world, at least since I can remember in the mid-70s. You know, would you agree with me in prayer? You know, because we know that if two or three are gathered, Jesus is there in their midst. And that in itself, that one statement has in itself become almost a doctrine of, uh, you know, foundational importance in the lives of many. You know, where two or three are gathered, you know, it's, we've got to do that. <clears throat> As if he's not with you if there's only you, which, see, that's why I want to set it back in context and ask, ask the question, why were they even meeting in agreement? Well, if we go to Matthew chapter 18, you're going to see, uh, in starting in verse 12, the parable of the lost sheep. And many of you know this. He does this in verses 12, 13, and 14. This is Matthew chapter 18. And Jesus said, which of you, if you have 100 sheep, and then one of them goes astray into the wilderness, won't you leave the 99 to go after that one who's going through the wilderness? And then in verse 15, he says this, Moreover, if your brother sin against you or trespass against you. Now, the word moreover is a connector. Uh, moreover connects one thought with the other to make them one. And so it, it's kind of like this. If you have a, a teenager and you might say something like, uh, hey, you, you remember, you have to clean your room and take up the trash. Moreover, if you don't do that, you're not going to the you know, school dance on Friday night. Uh, the moreover links the two uh, separate thoughts together. Clean your room, take out the trash, and the dance. It links them together and, and talks about it in a different way. And so Jesus says, you know, which of you have a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray and goes off into the wilderness? Won't you leave the 99 and go after the one? Who's, who's in the wilderness. And then he says in verse 15, moreover, if your brother sins against you, go to him, you and he alone. So we're still talking about the lost sheep. Jesus is still talking about the 100 sheep and the one who left the 99 to go off and he went off on his own and he's in a wilderness. Moreover, if your brother trespass against you. So this is still talking about the subject of the lost sheep. And so he says, if your brother sins against you, trespasses against you, go to him, you and he alone. If he repents, you've gained a brother. If not, take one or two witnesses. Now, this is important. This isn't just stranger or, or uh, you know, uh, or two strangers or friends and saying, hey, I want, to I want you to witness what I'm about to say to this guy because he, he won't reconcile with me. Now, these are witnesses of the offense, of the trespass, of whatever the guy did against you. And you went to him and said, hey, let's make it right. Let's, 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 you know. Uh, let's restore our friendship, and the guy refuses, then you take one or two others who are aware of what was going on. 
And then Jesus says, if he won't hear them, then let him uh, then take it to the church. Now, remember that in that day, as is so often around the world now, in fact, more often than, than in the auditorium, but people met in homes. And so all the New Testament was written by apostles doing church in the home, writing to people about church in the home. So, I mean, if you're trying to take the New Testament and apply it to an auditorium structure, you're taking scripture out of context. So Jesus said, you know, if he won't hear you, if he won't hear your one or two witnesses, then you take it to the church, to the leadership of the church, to the people of the church. Remember, you're sitting in the same living room across from one another. These people know what is going on with this brother. So then, you know, you take it to, you keep it private and then you expand the circle to one or two witnesses. Then you expand it even more to the, the people that this brother has been fellowshipping with in that same living room, you know, week after week. Because again, in context, when you, Jesus said, tell it to the church, you've got to remember that they met in home. So you're looking at a handful of people, you know, certainly less than 50 in a, in a Roman style, atrium style house. Um, you know, and, and if he won't hear them, then Jesus said this, treat him like a publican. Treat him like a, a tax collector. And and right away, and how many times have you heard of some pastor who says, you know, family so-and-so has left our church, so therefore, you know, they've got demons, so I forbid any of you from talking to them or fellowshipping with them. And people have emailed me so many times over the last 20 years about, you know, the pastor said, I can't fellowship with them, but they're my friend. What do I do? That sort of a situation. And so let's look at, let's let Jesus interpret Jesus, okay? So when Jesus says, okay, you, you go to him privately and he won't hear you. You take one or two others who are aware of the situation, they won't hear you. You take it to his local house church and they won't hear, and he won't hear them. So then the next thing you do is you treat him like a heathen and a publican. Okay, how did Jesus say to treat a heathen and a publican? Well, we go back to Matthew chapter 5 and in verses 43 through 48, Jesus said this, you've heard that it said, love your neighbor, but hate your enemy. Now, when Jesus says, you've heard it said, what he's doing is he's quoting the Pharisees. He's not quoting the law of Moses. He's quoting the Pharisees, which put their rules and their regulations on top of the law of Moses and, and made them more important than the God's scripture. Uh, because when he says, you have heard it said, love your neighbor, but, but hate your enemy. Jesus said, but I say to you, so he's correcting the Pharisees here. It's not new doctrine. Uh, you know, the, the Old Testament, God told Moses, love your neighbor as yourself. It's pretty straightforward. So Jesus said, you've heard it said of those of old time, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, to love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. So, um, you know, do good to those and, and pray for them. I, the whole scripture is, you know, that you would do good to them, that you would bless them and that you would pray for them. Those who use you, uh, offend you. Uh, persecute you, etc. And Jesus goes on to say, so that you can be like your father. For the father, he said, he said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that? If you just love those who love you back, then what credit is that to you? It's none. He said, the, the public and the tax collectors do the same thing. All right, so he's using the same terminology here in Matthew 5 as he does in Matthew 18. So he says, the tax collectors do the same. No, he says, you need to be like your father who causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. Be complete, be perfect, be mature in love without, without uh, favoritism, just like your father in heaven. So that's Jesus interpreting Jesus. So Jesus already said how we treat heathen and publican and those who, who misuse us or persecute us or do wrong to us. We bless them, we pray for them, we, we, we intercede for them. So when Jesus says in Matthew chapter 18, 
just a few chapters later, and he says, you treat this person who won't listen to you, won't listen to your friends, won't listen to the church that he's been fellowshipping with, and you treat them like a heathen and publican. What he's saying is you love them without partiality. You just love them. You've done everything you can do in the natural. All that's left for you to do is just love them and pray for them. And then he goes on to say this. He, he says this. He says, um, do, 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 do. Where is he? Okay. He says, he says, um, in the next thing he says, whatever you bind on earth has been bound in heaven or what is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. And that's that binding and loosing principle. But what is the reason for that? He says, for if two of you are gathered, gathered together and agree on anything, it will be done for where two or three are gathered in my name. There am I in the midst. So what is Jesus saying in the, in this progression? He's saying, He's saying, you go to him privately. Remember, still the lost sheep. He's gone off into the wilderness. Go to him privately. He won't listen to you. Take one or two witnesses. They won't, he won't listen to you two or three. Tell it to the church, the, the home church that he's been meeting in. Won't listen to them. Treat them like a heathen and a publican. Love them. Be without partiality and just love them. You've done everything you can do. Now meet together, one or two of you, or even three of you, to take authority over the uh, the demonic influence, to pray, to intercede, exactly what Jesus said to do in Matthew chapter 5. You bless them, you persecute them, you pray for them. Or pray, bless those who persecute you, you pray for them. And then he says this, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. Why is he doing that? Because folks, he is the shepherd. Those two or three are the original one, two, and three that went to the guy to try to be reconciled. And Jesus says, if you agree on anything you ask and you take authority, you bind and loose, uh, that, that's like a permission thing. It's like, Satan, I'm not giving you permission to go after uh, my friend. He's in the wilderness. Father God, we pray for him. Whatever you do, Jesus says, I'm in the midst. Why is he in the midst? Because he's the shepherd. Because he's going off now into the wilderness. You're meeting together to ask the shepherd to go off into the wilderness to get your friend. To get that, that 100th sheep who left the 99. That's why they're meeting in agreement. You see, there's a, there's a out there, it's like, oh, agree with me, agree with me. And, and I would say there's nothing wrong with saying, please agree with me in prayer. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I'm not finding fault, except to say that's not a doctrine by itself, because you know what? Christ is in you, the hope of glory. You have the mind of Christ. The, you'll, you'll never, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Christ is in you. Your new creation, the anointing which you've received of him stays in you, 1 John 2, 27. So Christ is already in you. You're not moving up to a, another level to grab somebody and say, be in agreement. But, uh, but there's nothing wrong with that, of course. I'm just saying don't lose sight of the fact that you, the Lord is already in you, Christ is already in you, and you and he make a majority. But the original meaning of them meeting together, the one, two, or three, with Jesus in their midst, was not just a general prayer. It was intercession for that lost sheep who left the flock of 100 and went off into the wilderness. And now they're meeting together saying, Lord, we've done everything we know to do. We've gone to him privately. We've gone one or two witnesses. We've gone to the body of Christ. We've now treating him like a heathen publican. We're loving him. We're praying for him. Now, it's, would you please take over? Would you, the good shepherd, now please take over and go into the wilderness and find our friend and restore him? That's why the two or three are gathered together in his name. Hope that's a blessing for you. Hope that hope you'll you'll rethink there some of the things there about uh, how we treat people because all of us have horror stories of the pastor who've said, you know, you can't you you've got to treat him like a heathen and a publican. Well, if you look at what Jesus actually said, he said to love people, right? Love your neighbor as yourself, to do good to them, to be like our heavenly Father who causes the sun to shine on the just and the unjust and the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. And that's what it's all about. All right, God bless. Talk to you next week.